0: y'all. Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors podcast, Bryce Diamond on the road. And when I'm driving solo, usually I like to record a podcast. And today on the road to T.O., the same, same, same. Um, Nothing different around here. Uh, I'm like, you know, C.J. Miles behind the arc. There's only one option. I am (laughs) shooting. No matter how many people are covering me, uh, no matter how hot or cold I've been that game, uh, you know, I am shooting the ball like C.J. Miles. So here we are, open road. I'm on Highway 7. It's been pretty smooth sailing on a Thursday. And I wanted to talk a little Canada basketball. I've been listening to to some fun podcasts on the rap cast Raptors of public do a great job. Um, and Samson folk who loves Canada basketball, uh, has given the reins of the rap cast to a few others. It's been good. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, I love me some Samson folk, uh, and Trey. So, uh, those guys not being on, it uh, is a little step down, I will say. Uh, the way they view the game, the way they they talk about the game is is, uh, is nice to hear. Um, you know, it, it's a baller's first kind of focus where uh, the guys that they got have on are 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 in the media world, in the fan world, um, and. Uh, you know, maybe are, are, are a little more kind of broad in their perspective, which is what I think Jurassic Views offers from time to time as well. So I, I like it when people really dig deep because that challenges my mind and perspective. But I've been enjoying those rap casts on We Can, um, this Canada basketball run at the World Cup in the Philippines and Indonesia. Of course, Canada is playing many of their games in Indonesia. At least to start the tournament, I'm sure things will change as as, as things get deeper because Manila is the the bigger of the cities and, and of course the, the one with the bigger stadiums. Um but what a start. I want to talk a little bit about this World Cup and, and talk about the Canadian team. Um if you've listened to any podcasts, if you've read any articles about Canada basketball at this World Cup. Uh, obviously, the headlines early uh, before the tournament tipped off was that, you know, a number of bigger players for Canada uh, were not there. Uh, first and foremost, the one that stood out uh, the largest in bright neon lights was Jamal Murray. Of course, Jamal Murray. Uh, seen as, you know, one of the premier Canadian basketball players in the NBA, certainly had a hell of a run with the Denver Nuggets, uh, hoisted the Larry O.B. Championship trophy this past year, and uh, much respect to him. But when he uh, announced, when he was in front of the, you know, the, the press, uh, the media... Explaining why he couldn't be there. Of course, you know that it takes time for the muscles to recover. This is his his first uh, big playoff run, deep playoff run, um, where he hasn't had a little rest beforehand, like he did in the bubble. Um, you know, and and this is the first time he's been in the playoffs in the last two years because he had the injury. So that. This was a huge deal. It took a a, a toll on his body. His his body was getting to 100% uh, in the regular season. It obviously hit 100% at the end of the regular season. And then uh, in the playoffs, he definitely was at full Jamal Murray, uh, you know, full capacity as uh, the guy we know him to be as a clutch scorer, as an incredible guard, playmaking, but he's also given it all in the defensive end, too. So for him to not be at the tournament was a blow. Uh, You've got other guys like Andrew Wiggins, who have been fair weather in in their involvement at a national level, Um, but then you have other guys who are maybe a little more peripheral, In the national scene, guys who have had NBA careers maybe five to ten years, uh, guys like Tristan Thompson or Corey Joseph, both of them decided not to be at uh, the FIBA Cup for various reasons. Then you had a guy like Chris Boucher bow out, a guy like Brandon Clark, who would have been a really important big for them playing the center spot. uh, Lengthy, athletic. Of course, he was injured with Memphis. Didn't get to play in their playoff run. uh, Playoff series, I guess. They didn't have much of a run due to injuries. Lost to the Lakers in the first round. So you go down the list and and you see guys who aren't there. They don't get to have a full 12-man NBA roster like they can. They're only the... You know, one of two teams who who can do that, and and the United States uh, is doing that. Of course, the United States kind of have like a C-team representing the country. So maybe not taking it as seriously as maybe they will next year with the Olympics. Um, So, you know, those are some of the headlines coming into the tournament uh, for Team Canada not having that full... NBA roster, not having, you know, their first or second best player, depending who you talk to, depending on the day, Um, Jamal and Shea battling for that spot, but Jamal, um, you know, not being able to be there hurts, but there was other teams, you know, not having their stars there, you know, you point to Greece, who does, doesn't have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Serbia, doesn't have Nikola Jokic, who are pretty big names, Uh, obviously, you know, uh, top two players probably in the NBA in the world. Uh, So with them not representing their countries, you can understand why uh, Jamal and some of the other guys for Team Canada are not there. Regardless, uh, when you looked at everyone on, on the Canadian roster, you looked at the other rosters. You looked at experience. Uh, Yes, Canada has uh, the second most NBA players at the tournament. I think Australia also has seven NBA players or or at least seven guys who have played at one point in the NBA. Uh, But Australia has a lot more experience. Australia in recent years has a lot more success. And so Canada, you felt like, could be in that maybe top five top six conversation going in, but you just didn't know, you know, even in recent years when they had uh, a pre-Olympic qualifying tournament in 2021 and you thought like they had enough talent, couldn't do the job, couldn't get out of uh, the first round in that uh, Olympic qualification tournament in 2021 lost to the Czech Republic in a tough uh, game in overtime, so you look at at what they've done, um, and and you think, okay, probably uh, you know teams like Australia, France, Spain, obviously the United States, and, and probably even Germany and Serbia are going to be above them. Um, and then there's some question marks, you know, how good can Slovenia play uh, with a one? star team and you know, in Luka Doncic's team um, what about some of the other teams that are there that have had success, some success like the Dominican Republic uh, who have Carl Anthony Towns similar to Slovenia with Luka Doncic could, could they be uh, a team that goes farther into the tournament than Canada there are a number of question marks so, Canada before the tournament had uh, a number of games, uh, pre tournament games. They played Germany twice. They played Spain. They played that Dominican Republic team with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and you wondered how good they could play. I think New Zealand was also a pre tournament uh, matchup that they had. And they fared pretty well. They were able to beat Spain. In Spain, uh, they lost the Dominican. Although they sat their starters for most of the second half, they split the games against Germany, who has the Raptors, uh, Dennis Schroder. They also have uh, both Mo and Franz Wagner, who are very good. Daniel Tice is on that team, and Isaac Bonga, which I was a surprise. I was surprised about. Him being on that team, I did not know that he had a German connection. Uh, so, you know, my forgive me for my ignorance. Uh, but they have a really good team, and they were able to get split against them. So I think for the most part, uh, people who watch Canada basketball, people who are coming in interested, intrigued by the Canadian roster and wanting to cheer on Canada – uh, we're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this team uh, has a legitimate shot to knock on the door of the quarterfinals. Maybe with the right matchup, if they found some momentum, could find themselves in the, even in the semifinals. Um, I do also want to point out that Canada has a new coach as of this tournament. Um, we know that Nick Nurse, former Raptors head coach, was the Canadian national team coach starting in 2021. Uh, he was able to get a commitment from a number of guys, including Jamal Murray, Mikhail Alexander-Walker, uh, his cousin. Um, I, You know, probably the best player on the the Canadian roster, probably the best player in Canada right now in Shea Gilders-Alexander and also some veterans like Dwight Powell and Kelly Olenek um, and a good mix of other guys who who have played a bit for the country in Lou Dort and, and Dylan Brooks and who have some really good seasons under their belt in the NBA. So uh, Jordy Fernandez takes over for Nick Nurse. Of course, when he leaves the Raptors, he left Canada Basketball, which is a whole story unto itself. But let's talk about Jordy Fernandez for a second as well. And, and let's make sure that we tip the cap to him. This is a guy who is on many people's shortlist. Uh, he was Zia's number one guy to take over for Nick Nurse as the Raptors head coach. He was an assistant coach, the lead assistant coach in Sacramento for uh, this historic year after they had been out of the playoffs for 17 straight seasons. Jordy Fernandez was, you know, one of those key guys, key leaders on the bench in general for the organization, for the team to get them into the playoffs and have a really good playoff series against a savvy Golden State Warriors team who is built very similarly to the Sacramento Kings and, and was probably one of if not the toughest first round matchup for Sacramento hey if they had have played game four better uh, in Golden State maybe we're talking about Sacramento winning in six. And, and then getting a chance to play uh, fast and furious against the L.A. Lakers, uh, who would have had a tough time, as good as they were in transition with their athletic size. They would have had a tough time against a deep team, a team with confidence. But you have to look at Jordy Fernandez's involvement, um, his his mind, his, his um, contribution to that Sacramento team, and why they got there. So in Jordy Fernandez getting the head coaching role for the national team, Zaya a number one, was not surprised. Others who, who were not surprised by Jordy Fernandez getting the nod. Now, Jordy Fernandez's work was um, quite a mountain to climb. Uh, Not only uh, was he new in the coaching role, uh, Jordi Fernandez had to get his team prepared. You could say an undermanned team, a less talented team than they had hoped to go to the World Cup with. And he had to get that team prepared in just three and a half weeks because that team had uh, a training camp start right at the end of July where Jamal Murray was part of some of that training camp and he had to, to cut some of the players. They had a roster of about 17, 18 guys and they dwindled that down to, to just 12. Um, so he had to make some decisions that way, which is hard for a new coach to do. You're hoping that the players have confidence in you. You're hoping that you can uh, be decisive in making those cuts, knowing how important it is uh, to get the team right, the right roster, to bring the right mix of players. Um, You knew that all the NBA guys who were at that training camp were going to be part of this team. Uh, But then there were some some European guys who have been part of the national roster who you had to cut. And one of the probably difficult decisions that Jordy Fernandez had to make was, does he keep Zach Eddy, a guy who just finished as a a junior, who was player of the year in the NCAA, decided to not go to the NBA, go into the draft and, and play one more year as a senior? work on some of his softer skills, maybe work on his range, his passing, his vision, his footwork before he goes to the pros. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm sure a guy like Tim Duncan would have uh, given the same advice to Zach Eddy if he had uh, talked to him to stay all four years, knowing that he has a lot of development to do and knowing that the NBA game has gone away from big, slower bodies like Zach Eddy. So, you know, there's still things to work on, but was he the right guy to take as part of this national team? Now, without a guy like Brandon Clark, Tristan Thompson, um, even Chris Boucher, they were thin at the five spot. And taking a guy like Zach Eddy who's 7'3", 7'4", 250-265 pounds uh, I think it made some sense I think it made some sense long term too Um, realistically I think Jordy Fernandez um, wanted to take the most talent probably knew he was only going to play 8 or 9 guys you know the rotations were going to get tight Uh, for most if not all the games Um, maybe Lebanon going into the tournament you see is the weakest team you're going to play Lebanon was in the bottom five teams in this tournament and you know you could get away with not playing your starters for that game but for the most part you look at their group Latvia, France, Lebanon uh, if they get through the group you know, the first stage and they get into the second stage, they have Spain. Uh, They have Brazil that are going to be in that group. Now things become uh, quite competitive and you're going to have to have, you know, short rotations. So a guy like Zach Eddy is a bit of a risk, And you could see how some guys could get rubbed the wrong way if you take him over some of the guys who've been part of the program longer term. But Jordi Fernandez, kudos to him. He made the difficult decision. He decided to think about the long term. He decided to think about um, teams they might have to play, like a Lithuania, even uh, like a Dominican, who have those big bodies, more traditional fives, in Carl anthony Towns and Jonas Valanciunas, even France, who they f- face in the first round, Rudy Gobert, could they play Zach Eddy for five, six minutes against him to give Dwight Powell and Kelly Olenek a rest? Those were all the questions coming in. Um, from a roster perspective around Zach Eddy, that Jordi Fernandez had to, to figure out and I think he made the right decision. Um, whether he played Zach Eddy or not, I think bringing Zach Eddy on the team was really important long-term for this club. And Jordi Fernandez, I had a lot of confidence in, um, ha- having read about him, uh, knowing that he was part of the Spanish national program as well under Sergio Scurliola, Um, I knew that, you know he was he was going to be very good for this team. I, I know he likes working with young guys, young guards like Darren Fox. So him and Shea could get along, I think, very quickly. But all of this had to happen fast because the training camp was quick. Then you're off to Europe to have the these exhibition games, these pre-tournament games, and then you get into the tournament, and in a tournament. You don't have many mistakes to make. Uh, You have to be very good, very sharp the entire way. And you have to be able to motivate your guys to play both ends of the floor, especially defensively. And you have to be able to manage the egos and, uh, you know, get the confidence, get your guys on the same page to get dialed in because a, gain, a loss or two and you could be out of the tournament very quickly. And who do they play first? France, a team who has been in the top four and top five in the world uh, the last seven, eight years. Uh, a team who was in the final against the States uh, in the Olympics. Uh, this is a team who was, uh, you know, in the finals of the Euro cup, uh, just last year, EuroBasket, um, and, uh, you know, losing to Spain, I believe, but they've, they've been in that top four, top five, the last six, seven, eight years. And when you've got guys like Rudy Gobert, um, Nicholas Batum and Evan Fournier even though those guys are in their 30s they still know the FIBA game they still are very sharp and they've got tons of experience in chemistry together you add a guy like DiColo who is very good in the, in the European leagues I believe he plays for Real Madrid uh, you know this makes for a very difficult matchup for Canada who is inexperienced, even though they have the talent. And in that first half, Shea struggled. Evan Fournier came out uh, nuclear in terms of his heat and and his offensive um, uh, performance in the first half. And France was right there 43-40 at the break. Now I will say, If Evan Fournier scores 19 in the first half, and you're down three, and Shea Gildas-Alexander's only scored seven in the first half, and Canada's up three, France has got to to believe that they've got to play better in that second half, especially Rudy Gobert, especially Nicolas Batum. And Canada in that second half to start this tournament, their very first game against a fifth-seeded France team, came out and played the exact way that you hoped they would. They came out and played and showed why they have so much NBA talent. They showed that they are a team to be reckoned with a team that could have a deep run in this tournament. They blew France out by 27 points in the second half and won, annihilating France, 95-65, the worst loss France basketball has faced in the last six years. Incredible performance from Canada. Now it's only one game. You don't want to get too high. Canada's next opponent, Lebanon, a game they should win rather easily. And part of what they wanted was to keep the minutes, especially for their starters RJ Barrett, Dylan Brooks, Dwight Powell, Kelly Olenek, Shea Gilders Alexander. They wanted to keep their minutes under 30. They did that by blowing out France. Then they went out, just bullied Lebanon, showed that, that it, they were playing men as men among boys and beat Lebanon by 50 plus points. The European uh, players, the guys for Canada who play in the European leagues, uh, like Phil Scrub, like uh, Melvin Edju, um and, and others... Kyle Alexander, they were able to play quite well, perform quite well against Lebanon and make that game very easy. And the starters played actually under 20 minutes. So you got to be feeling really good going into that final first group stage game against Latvia. And guess what? Latvia beats, historically beats France the first time they had done that in a decade we were able to get that win and with the win because they had beat Lebanon as well Latvia did they eliminate France and move on to the second round which is huge now who would their opponents be there were still games to be played to figure that out but who would be the number one team in the group Latvia came out playing very well they were out uh, Christoph Porzingis, one of their three NBA players. Uh, Caracas, who played for uh, Brooklyn and Oklahoma City, I believe, uh, had a run with another team uh, this past season as well. Uh, he was playing, and so was uh, Davis Bertons. Uh They had a good, solid, sneaky little guard. Uh, as part of their group, I can't remember his name, uh, number 55. But, but he was uh, slicing and dicing the French and Lebanon defenses. And in the first half against Canada, did the same. And Latvia was only down uh, a point going into the second half. They actually led by 10 points in the second quarter. And there were some nervous moments. But things changed. Things changed again, like the France game, quite quickly. The defense for Canada proved once again that they are probably a top three defense in this tournament. They showed with seven NBA players that they have a fourth and a fifth gear, uh, something that only three or four teams in this tournament have. Probably Spain is in that conversation. So too is Germany and, of course, the United States. We'll see what Serbia and Australia can do as this tournament progresses, but Canada slapped Latvia around like a -a whack-a-mole. And boy oh boy, Canada took over and won the game by 26 points, once again dominating with their defense, creating turnovers, getting into transition, getting two on ones, getting fast break points. And putting Latvia away in the early stages of the fourth quarter, cruising to a 20-point-plus blowout victory, and once again, putting their mark on this tournament. And as they go to the second round to face Spain and Brazil, they have to be considered the favorite in the group. Now, Spain are savvy. Spain have the Herman Gomez brothers. They have, uh, you know, good quality players who play in the Euro Leagues. Um, They have guys who have played in the NBA as well, but who have taken their national team deep they even won the gold medal in the sorry uh, won EuroBasket last year, as I said against France, and they also won the World Championships in 2019 with the Gasol brothers. So they know what to do. They know what it takes. They have done it, and they will be a, a really tough sign assignment for the Canadians. They play them on Sunday. But the real important game, the first game to focus on, is the game against Brazil. Even though Latvia is in this next group, uh, they will not play against each other. They already played in the group stage. But the group stage games, including that game against Latvia, do come in um, to uh, uh, into play for this second round to help decide tiebreakers. Canada has a tournament leading, point differential 111, leading the United States, who have 103 in second place. Spain, the top team in the second round group, uh, have a plus 19, so that's nowhere near Canada. So if Canada were to, to beat Brazil, uh, lose to Spain, and then let's say Latvia or Brazil, sorry, Latvia were to beat Spain, then Canada would win a tiebreaker in that situation. Um, however, right now, uh, Canada is in, is in pole position as the number one team with the point differential and the same record against Spain, but beating Brazil will put them... Uh, with just one loss. Uh, if Spain were to beat Latvia, that would see Spain and Canada go through, as of course Latvia and Brazil, who lost a game in their first round, uh, would now have two losses for the tournament, counting against them, and that would put Spain, who are uh, would be undefeated along with Canada, uh, through to the quarterfinal. And then... That game on Sunday, Spain versus Canada, uh, would still be a very meaningful game. So don't just throw away the game on Sunday if if Canada beat Brazil and if Spain beat Latvia on Friday. No, no, no. The game against Spain is still vital because if Canada beats Spain, they win the group. And that sets them up, that ranks them um, going in to that quarterfinal to get an easier matchup. Now, who will that be? That it's very possible that could be the Dominican Republic who could be uh, kind of in that six or seven seed through the first two rounds. Canada could be a three or a two seed if they were to win against Brazil and Spain in the second stage of this tournament. And that's a pretty favorable matchup, I will say. Again, Canada lost to the Dominican the pre-kind uh, of exhibition tournament games, um, but they didn't play their starters for most of the second half. Some of the stars didn't play any of the second half against the Dominican. Yes, Carl Anthony Towns is there. He does uh, prove to be uh, a huge mismatch against the Canadians, who don't have a real quality monster center, again Zacchetti is their only real monster center, traditional big uh, but he of course doesn't have the experience or the quickness that a Carl anthony Towns has outside of Carl anthony Towns every Canadian starter is better than the Dominican starters but they have to play to that level I would say the Dominican is probably a little bit better than Latvia uh, but probably not as good as Brazil but it's close so if we beat Brazil uh, knowing that we've already beat Latvia, I think probably a team like the Dominican Republic uh, is probably a team we should be quite favoured against, we should be in a good position. Um, Other teams we could play uh, Australia is a team or Slovenia are teams who Uh, could be in that kind of 6th spot in the tournament Um, they would be uh, really difficult uh, to deal with Uh, should we get one of those teams I would say they're a little bit better than the the Dominican I I see the Dominican as the 7 or 8 seed I see uh, Australia as maybe a 5 or 6 seed and then Slovenia as a 6 or 7 seed Uh, so Depending who comes out of that group, with likely Germany, uh, although nothing's guaranteed for Germany, they were the number one team in their group, having beaten uh, Australia without Franz Wagner playing on that uh, team um, for Germany uh, against Australia. Um, I I I see them as the number one team in that second stage group. Uh, So we'll see. Again, nothing guaranteed, but likely our opponent is Slovenia uh, or Australia or the Dominican going into the quarterfinal. No matter who we get, I think Slovenia and the Dominican are pretty one-dimensional because of the superstar they have. Slovenia has not been overly successful at these high-level competitions. But when you have a guy like Luka Doncic on your team, uh, when you have a guy like Karl-Anthony Towns on your team and the Dominican, I think Slovenian and Dominican have to be respected and need to uh, be dealt with early. Get a double-digit lead going into that half. Extend it and then be able to manage the fourth quarter. Don't get into a situation like Canada did against Latvia when you're you're only up nine or ten Uh, going into the fourth and you still have lots of work to do because uh, you didn't take advantage of your opposition the way you should have in the first half. Anyways, it's very exciting. It's very, very exciting to see Canada play so well to blow out three teams in a row, including France, the five seed in this tournament. It's great to see. Um, If they can beat Brazil on Friday and get themselves into the quarterfinal, uh, then that Spain game becomes really intriguing. And I think if you can beat Spain, uh, then you're favored going into the quarterfinals. And that first round of the quarterfinals, again, whether it's Dominican, Slovenia, Australia, whoever your opponent is, if you win that game, you qualify for the Olympics as you've gotten to the semifinals. Um, So that is pretty exciting. Obviously, the United States are the number one team in this tournament. I think Germany, uh, Australia, Serbia still have to be favored over Canada. But outside of that, I think the Spain-Canada game in this group stage will solidify who the, the four-seed is in this tournament because um, a win there for Canada would certainly give them... Uh, you know more strength, and 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 show uh, that they've proved themselves against experienced teams in these big tournaments. Regardless, folks, I hope you get a chance to watch these games. Uh, it's not often that we get to see such a good Canadian team. It's probably been since two thousand when Steve Nash was donning a Canadian jersey that we've seen a Canadian team play this well, and it's not often that we get to hear international media talk about our team the way they do, including saying things like Shea Gillis-Alexander is probably the second best player. A Canadian player is the second best player at a tournament. So pretty exciting. Even when Jamal Murray was going into the finals with the Denver Nuggets, no one was saying... He was a top-five player. They were saying he had, you know, a top-five playoff run but as an individual, but they weren't saying he was a top-five player. Uh, and, and, you know, that makes sense. Um, having a, a top-five playoff run as an individual is very different than being a top-five player. And I don't think Jamal Murray is a top-five or top-ten player, but here in this tournament, Shea Gillis-Alexander is a top-three player. Um, Outside of the United States uh, and Luka Doncic, I don't think there's anybody in this tournament that's as good as Shea Gildress. And if they get to the quarterfinals, having beaten Brazil and Spain, uh, France, Latvia and Lebanon, Shea Gildress's numbers and record, I think, puts him in the top three, if not the top two conversation. So exciting, really exciting to be a Canadian basketball fan. And yeah, it's just, it's just good basketball. It really is good basketball. It's good for the program. And uh, it, it, I think it's good as a, a guy who played basketball in the 90s um, where nobody expected Canada to, to be at this high a level, to have this many Canadian players, to have guys who are making all NBA teams um, nobody thought we'd be here And so this is really fun And it's, it's nice to just Be in the spotlight To shine like this So soak it up Canadian basketball fans um, and, and do watch These games This weekend Friday against Brazil Sunday against Spain Alright y'all that's all I got For the FIBA World Cup tournament uh, I might talk about it a little more Should Canada get to the semifinals? I think I'll hold off otherwise. We do have some guests coming up on Jurassic Views as uh, Courtney and Zaya take uh, more of a summer break here at the later stages of August and into the Labor Day weekend. Um, Amanda Coffey will be on Jurassic Views September 10th, or at least we'll record September 10th. Uh, That episode will be out in a couple weeks. Um, Amanda is a, a photographer who has had the chance to cover the Raptors, cover Summer League, and even the WNBA game that was in Toronto. Hope to talk to her about all those opportunities. Um, we'll also have um, a man Rob Beamish, Fresh Peppa, on the show in September and probably get another uh, appearance from Tom Anderson, who you got to hear. Uh, last month and a guy who's been a frequent flyer as a guest on Jurassic Views, Chris Jackson, who I think has been on at least four times and we call him the Zach Lowe of Jurassic Views. Uh, Hopefully uh, we get him on in September too. That's, that's the plan anyways. Um, Enjoy this weekend, enjoy the weather, enjoy the sunshine and we'll catch up to you soon. Thanks for listening. Peace.